Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Word to you. How are you feeling? Awake? Good? Uh, filled with you know, joy in God's presence. It's a, it's a great thing to come together and I just, I'm, uh, I watch these parents of one, two, three or more children and it's amazing. Uh, God is good. Uh, and it's true that God is in the work of multiplying. And so let's just uh, lean in and prepare our hearts to hear the word of God together. Amen. I'll just lead us in a prayer and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us here in your presence together as, as your people. We thank you that, uh, you know, your word comes to us in your power, by your spirit, uh, not by any man's might, not by eloquence, but the power of your spirit. And so we open ourselves up to you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you speak straight into the depths of our hearts. And uh, we ask that wherever each of us are at, may your word just uh, go into uh, the deep recesses of our hearts, causing a response to you of worship, of affection, of purpose, of vision. And this morning we pray that wherever uh, we are listening to, uh, into, even those online, that God, that your word will not fail to move us into faith and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning again. Oh, I, in case you don't know, we're in the midst of a prayer series, and today is week four. Uh, we have been uh, hearing the, the three past messages, messages. The first one, Apostle Andre talked about turning aside. And then a couple of Sundays ago, we heard about Secrets of Secret Place from Bob Sorge. Last week, Corey Russell spoke to us about intercession, joining Jesus in his intercession. Today, we're talking about praying with persistence. Uh, and, and we'll look at a passage from Luke 18. Uh, and this is really a parable that Jesus taught and uh, what is a parable? Uh, maybe some of us may not be familiar. A parable is generally, uh, typically a short story. And uh, it is, you know, not every part of it can be, you know, paralleled, whatever. But it's usually using like everyday commonplace objects or scenarios to communicate a moral or a spiritual truth of some kind. Uh, that would be the purpose of the parable. And certain parts of it may seem obscure, like what, is this, what does this object mean? What is it about? But th generally, the par parable will be a short story with one particular point, one truth, a moral or spiritual truth. And so Luke 18 is one such parable. And it is typically called a parable of contrast. And I'll explain uh, uh, when we go further in. So let's read, read with me, Luke 18, one to eight, this is ESV. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, 
I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I, told, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Right. Look at verse 1 where it tells us very clearly the purpose of Jesus teaching this parable. He comes right out. Uh, Luke records this very clearly for us. Jesus told a parable with the purpose that they ought always to pray and never lose heart. Right? And you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, right? I, yeah, who doesn't know? Right? Oh, pray more. I, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things that we need to hear. We need to hear whether or not it's, it's, it's enjoyable, you're excited about it. But sometimes hearing about prayer can be a bit like eating celery. Uh, at least to me, okay? Uh, a vegetable that I am not passionate about, but I know it's good for me, right? It's good for my blood pressure, whatever it is, fiber. Uh, and so this is like that. This is like celery, okay? It's not whatever your favorite food is, uh, French beans or pizza, whatever, okay? It's not. Maybe it's like celery is to me, it is as to you, right? We hear about prayer and we're like, okay, yeah, I know, I know. Not again. I need to pray more, right? But we often also think, besides that, prayer in terms of, okay, I just need to know how to pray. How do I phrase my words, their formula, to like, pray like this, like this, then I get this, right? Uh, so we think of it more like, maybe is it like a posture? Do I kneel? Whatever it is, is it a formula? But really, from this parable, what Jesus is emphasizing is persistence in our prayer. More than anything, that we should be more concerned about praying faithfully and enduring in prayer, being persistent in our prayer. And we hear the word persistence, uh, you may not make the connection right away, but there are different scenes in life, scenarios where we experience a sort of persistence. Like when I would walk into a retail store and there would be a persistent uh, staff there tailing me right? Like, can I help you with anything? No, no, I'm just looking. And you go to another, can I help you? No, no, I'm looking. You know, that kind of persistence. As I, I'm not, I'm one of those, not very friendly. If you are one of them, sorry. Okay, I will go in the store and like, okay, like, stay away from me. Don't ask me what I need. Uh, that kind of persistence, not, not the same. How about the kind of persistence, maybe a guy notices a girl he likes, and he starts looking her up on social media, finding out all sorts of things about her every day, compiling an encyclopedia about her. That's called stalking, okay? That's not the, the persistence Jesus is talking about. Or the kind of persistence, uh, a friend was just telling me this past Chinese New Year, uh, it's a traumatic experience to go through. You've got a very persistent relative, Again, asking you the same question that he or she did last year. Yeah, you know, when are you going to okay, fill in the blank? Okay, some of you know who I'm alluding to. You've got a persistent relative who asks you the same question every Chinese New Year. It's traumatic, right? It can be. Not that kind of persistence. Jesus, though, is talking about persistence 
in prayer. And so in this parable, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, Jesus mentions two characters, judge and widow. And so there's this judge, uh, and he says he, there are descriptions about him we're going to, and a widow who comes and hounds him, like, you know, catches up with him in the parking lot, or, you know, when he's grabbing coffee, she shows up out of nowhere and like, hey, judge, you know, have you looked at my case? Have you looked at my case? Or, you know, he goes home and she's like sitting on the stairs to his condo and she's like, oh, judge, have you looked at my case? Have you looked at my case? Right? She's hounding him, right? And, and this story, go, this parable goes on, Jesus says that then in the end, she was granted the justice that she persistently pursued. Verse two, look at that. It tells us about the judge. What does it say? The judge is one who neither feared God nor respected men. So picture a man who is a judge who doesn't care, who doesn't have a fear of God in his heart and really doesn't really care about people, right? How would you like to have that kind of judge? overseeing your case. Nobody? All right, this is the kind of judge that is. Someone who perhaps has, so no fear of God. Basically, he is the reference for what needs to be done. So God is not his ultimate authority. He is himself, right? That kind of judge who does not respect people, who does not care about people. So verse four, he himself describes himself Though I neither fear God nor respect men, he, tell, he describes himself that way. And verse 6, the word that Jesus used is he is an unrighteous judge, an unholy or like an unjust judge. This is the kind of judge he is. But verse 3 to 5 tells us, but then what does the widow do? The widow would keep coming to him and coming to him day in and day out, he will just see her popping out of nowhere and hounding, stalking, badgering him, right? Hey, give me justice against my adversary, right? Continual coming, so verse, uh, verse five says continual coming. The more he dismissed her, the more persistent she became. He just cannot get rid of her, right? This is the kind of relationship that's happening here. So what happens is it says, but afterward, you know, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet she keeps bothering me. I cannot tahan, okay? I will give her justice. I cannot take it. She will beat me down by her continual coming. Afterward, because this widow, then she gets that justice. Does he, did he actually care about this widow? No. Did he really care about the justice that she was seeking, she was asking for? No, because he neither feared God nor respected men or women. But because she keeps coming and she's hounding me, and the word here in verse five is she will, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That word beat me down literally can mean like bruise, like in a boxing match you know, so that she will not pummel me, you know, not literally, but figuratively. She's not gonna, I don't want her to pummel, pummel me, and with her continual coming, I just give it to her, okay? That's his response, this judge. So verse six to eight tells us, so Jesus says, very important here, hear what the unrighteous judge says, verse seven, 
Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Verse 8, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily, speedily. So here's the parable. So we've heard uh, nuances of the meaning of that parable. And the main purpose of it is so that we do not lose heart in our prayer. But maybe you have a hard time with this parable. Maybe this parable gives us a subconscious or a conscious impression that Jesus is saying God is like this unjust judge and we are this widow. We tend to think that way, right? That we need to beg, we need to, you know, persuade, like, please, God, beg and convince and, and overcome God's uh, desire so that he would give us what we're asking for, what we're praying for. Uh, well, sort of a simplistic but maybe helpful uh, way to illustrate this is in our home, there's always this request, very persistent, almost every day, and sometimes a few times a day, more than I would like. Mommy, can we have ice cream? No. Right. Two minutes later. Mommy, can we have ice cream? No. Three minutes later. Mommy, can we? No. <laughs> and then many minutes later, like, mommy can mm. okay, only if you're going to finish that celery. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> broccoli, broccoli. They don't eat celery. Hmm, I should try. But, yeah, anyway. No, you got to finish that. Then, without finishing it, mommy, can we please have ice cream? We've been very good today. No. <laughs> And uh, no, we don't have ice cream in our fridge. We can buy downstairs. No. Half an hour later, mommy, can you have ice cream? <sighs> okay, okay. Go down, buy. <laughs> Get out of my face. No, I don't say that. Just, just, you know. Just <laughs> you know, hey, come on. Don't judge. Don't judge. I'm human. But. Yeah, you know, this persistence, right? It's kind of, that's how we feel. We need to like, oh, please, God, please, God. But this parable, remember, I said, is primarily a parable of contrast, right? Not so much comparison. What does that mean? So the widow is someone of like a low position who is like marginalized, disenfranchised, um, no relationship with the judge whatsoever. It's very important to see that contrast. And so she feels she needs to overcome the judge's reluctance to help, reluctance to hear her plea, hear her case, and help her. She needed to wear him out, right, so that he could respond, even if he cares nothing really, but because to get her off his back. God, though, contrast, God is in no way unjust or reluctant to give us what we need, right? And remember, we heard even from past Sundays and the Lord's Prayer is our Father who art in heaven, right? Our judge. Isn't it great that it doesn't start our judge, right? But our Father, which is a very endearing term, right? Not just for the Jews of that particular time, but even for us to call God Father. It's unusual, it's endearing. And Jesus is teaching them to pray and not lose heart, not because God is reluctant 
although it may feel or seem that way sometimes, like he is reluctant, but no. Jesus is teaching them to pray and not lose heart because he is not reluctant like the judge. Not at all. He is a father who delights to hear us ask him. That ought to encourage us to pray and pray and pray. The point of this parable is, if even a judge who is so unjust, unscrupulous, totally does not care for justice, does not fear God, he would do for this widow who he does not care about and have no relationship with, he would do for her what he did, how much more would a father in heaven, loving, caring as he is, sovereign, all-powerful, how much more would he do for you and I? Isn't that our privilege in prayer? Our Father God delights in doing this for his children, the best. So this really is a parable of contrast. Now, why did Jesus teach this parable? Right? Because he knows we would not always get what we ask for. None of us would, um, I'm guessing, none of us would raise our hand and say, I always get answers the way I pray. When I want something, what I pray for, no, no problem. Then no need this parable. But I think most of us, or if not all of us, would have situations where we're, like, we're not just, what's going on, right? Why am I not seeing the answer to my prayer? And when I want it, why not? And how I want it. If every time we pray, we get what we want, then Jesus wouldn't. But the very reason he taught this is because answers to our prayer don't, often don't turn out the way we want, when we want, how we want. It just doesn't. But Jesus says, always pray and not lose heart. We will go through tough situations. You're praying for someone's salvation, healing, breakthrough. It's like, wow, very hot ground. And it's just, when is this happening, right? Always pray, do not lose heart. Why should we pray with persistence? Now, I heard someone put it this way, there's three reasons why we should pray with persistence. And I thought it's very helpful for us to look at, to frame this. First, we pray with persistence because God's will. It's, it's about knowing and aligning with God's will. Now, it's definitely going to happen. You will find many points in life, in, in, maybe even right now this morning, your will differs from God's will. It's inevitable. You're not robots, neither am I. We all have our own will, which God gave, right? And that's all right. Jesus, too, had at least one moment, if not more, where he struggled to surrender his will subject to the Father's will as that son, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. He struggled. Okay, even though he says, my food is to do my father's will. We know he said that. My delight is to do the will of my father, right? And yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, right? But yet not my will, but yours be done, Jesus says. He pressed on, he wrestled, he was raw, honest, he prayed on. Prayer is not about bending God's will or his arm to our desires. 
even though we make it known what our desires are. Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not because God cannot accomplish his will without it, but he wants to accomplish it with us. He wants us to partner with his, not just the doing, but the heart of it, the heart, his heart, to have our heart after his own heart. We don't always know God's will or how to align it until we keep praying, because as we pray, we get glimpses and revelation of his heart. We know and we align. As we pray, it creates, this persistent prayer creates inside of us this heart after God's own heart. It shifts our perspective to what God sees, right? Very important. And that sometimes we're just so stubborn. It takes a long time because we've got set, like our mindsets is just fixed, right? But God wants to shift our perspective to see what he sees, the long view the eternal view. And God wants to shift our, shift our passions so that we desire the very things he desires. And God wants to shift our priorities to place more importance on the things he places. So what God wants to do is really to shift our perspectives, our passions, and our priorities after his, what he sees, what he desires, what he wants to prioritize, what he wants to place importance on. In other words, God wants to transform us, our hearts. So the value of persistent prayer is really not that he will hear us, but that we will finally hear him. God's will. Second, why do we pray with persistence? God's timing. Now we may know God's will, but when, right? I know, I know God, God's will is for this to happen or you know, for, for this, for this people group that I'm praying for or this particular uh, dream or plan that he has given me or someone I know, we're praying through this. I know, but timing, when? Think of Moses. Uh, the, the, the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt that was oppressing the people of Israel. He knew that he was somehow part of God's deliverance plan for his own people, Israel. But he was 40 years early, right? He took matters in his own hands, his timing. But God had a different time. I think of the wedding in Cana where you know, uh, Jesus turned water into wine. Uh, it was at that time, Jesus is conscious about timing, God's timing, not just human timing. To Jesus, when his ministry does, when he does what, he was concerned about timing also, very much so. Think of um, Lazarus, right? Uh, if you know the story of Lazarus who died, he was a dear friend of Jesus. The timing would be the moment you hear your friend is about to die, very sick, okay, like at the brink of death, you would rush to his side, right? Jesus didn't. He waited two days before he went. And when he went, it was because Lazarus reported died. That was his timing, following God's timetable. We, we, we often don't realize, but God's timing is different from ours. So Tim Keller writes this in his book, on prayer, our time frames are not in touch with ultimate reality. Our perspective on timing compared with God's is analogous to a two-year-old's with an adult's. God has good reasons for making us wait a long time, 
to see some prayers answered. With God, a day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. That is why often in scripture we find verses that are not very happy verses, but they say, wait on the Lord. How many times have you read scripture that says, hurry up? N no, right? It says what? Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Not hurry up. How I wish, you know, I was taking a lift yesterday and I realized, hit by the fact that I am so impatient. I could not wait for the lift 10 more seconds than I felt I needed to. I was standing there and waiting like, why is it taking so long? It was really, and, and, and I, I, I hit, it hit me because I knew today I was talking about waiting on God and I was like, wow, just 10 more seconds. You couldn't wait. You couldn't wait, Janice. 10 more seconds. But wait on the Lord. Psalm 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. We've heard this verse. Nice verses, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Yes, Lord. Commit your way. I commit my way to you, Lord. Trust him. Yes, I trust you, and he will act. Yes, Lord, yes. And then verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Same sound. How about that? Not very exciting. Verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Wait, wait some more. Wait. How long? How long, Lord? Wait, how long? Enough already. Lemonade, Lamentations chapter 3. <laughs> Lemonade. <laughs> Lemonation. Wow. Lemonade. Lemonade. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite prophets, his name is Jeremiah. And man, okay, I say he's my favorite, but his life is a teary pot of tears, okay? Sad, sad, uh, difficult. God called him to a very challenging ministry. God would say to him, you know, tell these people these words, but they will not listen to you. How would you like to be that kind of prophet? Hey, go, Jeremiah. This is my word. I'm tasking you to tell this, my people this, but by the way, they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. Nice. Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Jeremiah goes on to say, The Lord is my portion. I will hope in him. 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Yeah. God's timing. So why should we pray with persistence? One is to know God's will. Second, God's timing. The third is to know God's best. And oftentimes we are in that moment, but we can't see God has something better in mind, right? I'm sure many of you can look back and you're like, yeah, only in hindsight. C.S. Lewis says, when the opposite of your prayer occurs, your prayer hasn't been ignored. It's been considered and refused for your ultimate good. But it doesn't mean that it's a torture game. God is not like that judge, like, mm, I just see how long you're going to grovel. Some more? Beg some more. No, God is not like that. Think of how Jesus wanted to feed the 5,000. I mean, he knew, I'm sure he knew it was going to happen. But with that boy with the five loaves and two fish that Andrew found, instead of 
maybe taking the money, going buy food, whatever. I mean, that's a solution, right? But God had something better in mind. I mean, who would have thought? Not just be able to feed 5,000 people, and there's 5,000 men, by the way. There's more than 5,000, really. And five loaves and two fish feed 5,000 plus people. Eh? Imagine that. Not just that. There were 12 baskets left over after that. My goodness, right? God's best. Think of Joseph's dream, the dreams he had, and he told his brothers. And instead of shining like a bright star right away or being that like powerful leader right away, he was sold as a slave. He went to the pit first before the palace. But it resulted in his entire family being blessed. Genesis 50, uh, chapter 50, verse 20 tells us, he, he, he tells his brothers, after many years, they finally met and reconciled. You intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. No way anyone could have known that. We don't know what God is up to. We don't know what he's thinking, what he's doing. So it's good to pray with persistence until he reveals his will, his timing, and his best, right? Think on, you know, Logos, uh, where we heard about, like, receiving Rhema from God, from Pastor Bob. And it's just about sowing and sowing and sowing faithfully in the secret place when you can perhaps see absolutely nothing happening on the surface for a long, long time, but just sowing anyhow, right? Until, until that moment, bam, Rhema. Or just learning to join in intercession with Jesus for the things that matter on his heart. And if we, sometimes you're praying like, wow, this is too big for me. I don't know how to participate in it. But yes, God, I will. When we learn that until he, and he reveals his will, his timing, and his best for us. Right? Hannah, a woman who was barren, longing and desiring for a child, pleaded and, 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 and came and prayed to God uh, with in just desperation out of her intercession, out of her barrenness, she experienced that, that fruitfulness, right? Persistent praying is about growing in that earnestness of just seeking, being honest, wrestling with God, having stamina, asking God to grow our stamina in prayer. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I can't tell you the number of times I asked for something just once. Didn't get grumpy already. Right? I uh, pray already. Uh. Didn't happen. Sien, right? But the word here is really a present. Three verbs. Ask, seek, and knock. They are, in grammar, present, active, imperative. That means continually happening, continually present. Keep asking, it will be given. Keep seeking, you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. Romans 12, 12 says this, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That word constant, be steadfastly attentive. When we heard about turning aside in week one of prayer series, steadfast and continually attentive, not just turn aside once, but faithfully allowing God to catch our attention, to turn aside and turn aside and turn aside and turn aside, to persevere and not faint, to show one's courage for 
all the time. That process of being aligned with God's will and that passage of time to know God's timing will bring about fruit and impact, whether in us, around us, beyond what you and I initially pray for, beyond what you can even ask or imagine. God is in the business of answering your prayer in the best way possible. How about that? Not the way that you and I conceive. A.W. Tozer says, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders, interfering with God's work within us. And so really, if we can see prayer is how God wants to give unimaginable things that he has in store, spiritual blessings, and such that he is concerned about the person whose prayer is being fulfilled. Our very transformation as well, it is in the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. We often try and figure things out, right? We want certainty. And someone wrote uh, in his Instagram that really hit me. He said, don't let yesterday's God shackle today's. Not because God changes, because we need to, because we are growing up. We are learning as we persevere in prayer, as we press on and like, God, where is this answer to this? I'm pressing on, pressing in. We are letting go of our assumptions of what God is like, how he should answer our prayer, what he should do. He is helping us to strip that away, layer by layer, layer by layer. That's how we're growing up spiritually. We are learning to let go of our constructs, our smaller images of what God is like so that he can do his God thing, right? And, and so that's why Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to hear that oftentimes. We want certainty. We want to be able to see what's ahead. We want to say, yes, yes, this is the answer that I was praying for. But what really God wants is for us to cling to his character, to trust in him and our relationship with him, to not doubt his nature in answering, in hearing us, in wanting to give the best to us. To not doubt that, but to press in and to have faith in that way by persevering in prayer. That the answer to our prayer is not what determines your sonship. It is simply you just ask because you know he will not deny it. He will not deny what his children ask for. Contrast from the parable, just to lay out for some of us who like points concise like that. And it helps a lot, right, just to capture again how this is a parable of contrast. See, the widow is someone in a marginalized position, has no relationship with the judge whatsoever, but not us. We are not like that widow. We are children of God in a relationship with the Father. Different contrast, unjust judge. Is God anything like that judge? No, God is a God of justice, of righteousness. And the judge, the power he has over the widow's case is really given to him by other people, right? But God, he himself 
is power, right? He is the one who gives power, empowers, who bestows authority. Judge, this judge had no concern for the widow, no concern for justice. But God is not that way. Not at all. God cares for his children. He loves, he delights to answer our prayers. Court of law versus throne of grace, right? We do not need to merit answers to our prayer. We don't have to earn it. God, by his grace, will answer. And the judge answered the widow really for selfish reasons. Because she keeps, ah, gachowing me, right? Disturbing me, okay? I'm just going to give it to her. Give what she asked ask for, but no, not God. He's not begrudging. He is just delighting in our good, and he just wants to bless us with the best. So church, we keep on praying. Whatever area of difficulty you may be feeling or facing, we keep on praying until we grow in understanding his will, his timing, and his best. Right? It's an inner posture. It's an outward habit. Both we need to cultivate. And God would have it encourages us today. If you are struggling with praying and believing in this power and privilege of prayer, Jesus reminds us through this parable, God is our Father who loves to answer our requests. Prayer is really the entryway into truly knowing who we are and knowing God and to deep change within us so that our lives are reordered. Remember our perspectives, our passions, and our priorities, right? Such that we would experience that intimacy with God. And I liken it, I suppose, to, you know, for some of us, or you know, all of us, would be able to understand. In the picture of a marriage, there is so much need to grow, to, to just grow in alignment, right? To grow in my will and your will together. What does that look like? And of course, God is not like a human spouse, but God loves relationship with us. And in many ways, what we're doing when we're praying is to know him you know, not just the decisions you want to make together or the things you want to do together with God or the outcomes or the desires that you have for your life, whatever it is, or God's purposes, but to know Him, experience Him, and to grow in intimacy with God. And so this morning, let me just lead us to respond in two specific ways that I felt God impress on my heart. To ask the worship team to come on up. Can I ask us all to stand? And even those of you who are watching at home, do respond as you feel God inviting you. And even as I, I, I preach this and I speak this word, I felt God just highlighting these two groups of people. And so the first one is some of you, there are some things or something you have, instead of kind of faithfully praying about, it has somehow turned into a, a bitter place. Uh, no longer do you really pray for it, and nor do you believe that 
you know, you really want to pray for it, but it has turned into a complaint in your heart. There's bitterness, there is just this, like, mm, God's just not hearing, God's just not answering this, it's not happening. And there is a bitterness there. Either you recognize it, or maybe now, as I, as I say it, describe it, you realize that you've been bitter about that unanswered prayer. And so if that's you, God is saying this morning, I want you to know I hear even your complaints. But I am inviting you to once again come and know, pray about it, come and tell me, talk to me about it. Maybe it's a difficult situation, and maybe for some, because you're bitter and you don't really pray about it, you kind of push it aside already. There's sort of a disbelief. There's this bitterness, and you're grappling with it this morning. You can pray about a whole lot of other things, maybe, like, oh, but just this, this one thing. It's just a pain point. And God is saying, oh, this morning, bring that to me again. Pray about it, my child. The second group, okay, is this. As you're hearing this, and maybe not first time, because we've heard about God being our Father last week as well, is that actually, now you come to realize that you have difficulty in conceiving that God, that God is not like that unjust judge, but He really is a Father who is very loving and who delights in hearing your prayer. You have trouble resonating with that for whatever reason. It's just, you realize it's hard for you to imagine that God is such a God, that God is not reluctant in answering your prayer, that He is not reluctant and He's not dismissing you like that widow was dismissed, that you're, it's hard for you to believe that God really actually wants to answer your prayer. He wants to hear the cries of your heart. He wants to grant it to you. And He longs for you and His heart to merge. And He longs for you to experience this intimacy with Him as your Father. You struggle with that. And this morning you're saying, yes, that's me and, you know, my prayers, I just cannot truly know that God really wants to give it to me, that I am really His child, that He really delights in answering my prayer. This morning God says, my child, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I want nothing more than to give you what is best for your life because that is truly my heart's desire. And what I'm doing is I am answering your prayer beyond all that you can ask or imagine, way beyond, way beyond. Open your vision, open your eyes and your, your hope when you place it in God as that loving Father. May there be just healing and restoration this morning. And so I'm just going to give you just one, two minutes right now. If that's you, first or second group, respond to God with your own words, whether you're here or you're watching online. Respond to Him before I pray. You can hold out your hands as a gesture of response to Him. Wherever you are, Respond to Him with your words, with your, with your posture, inner posture, and your open hands. Say, that's me, Lord.
as you respond, would you say to him, yes, God, you are my father. I want to experience more of you as my father. Jesus, we thank you for this parable. We thank you that even in this short eight verses, you took the time to remind us to pray and never lose heart. And you, in all consistent manner, reveal to us the Father. And so this morning, we pray for healing. We pray for healing where there is woundedness in our prayer. When there is wounding in our hearts and that just inhibits our prayer and our experiences of breakthrough in our prayer lives. God, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray, God, for you to make whole again our experience with you as our loving Father, who is not reluctant, who is not begrudging, who is not unwilling to respond, to hear us to sit with us in our lament, our confessions, our sinfulness, to sit with us rejoicing in the hope that we are praying for, that which will be answered in due time, in your time, in your way, in your manner, for your purposes, that will be for our best. Lord, we pray for that healing even now this morning. Would you restore, God, areas in our lives where we've been found difficult to pray, where there's been barrenness, where there's a sense of unfruitfulness or a sense of disbelief. We pray this morning, God, that this be overcome by the revelation and insight and reality of you as our Father, that this morning your people will experience afresh what it means to appeal to not just a judge, 